Welcome to Resilient Faith Project, the podcast dedicated to helping Christian leaders like you serve God from a place of wholeness that will allow you to lead well for the long haul. Our goal is to help you cultivate a faith that can withstand all the challenges that life and ministry bring. We invite you to join us as we seek to know God and ourselves better and help other leaders do the same. Hey guys, welcome back to Resilient Faith Project, the podcast. I'm Brandy. I'm Robin. We're so glad you're joining us. This is our second episode, um, but if you haven't had a chance, we'd love for you to go back and listen to episode one and kind of hear a little bit about what Resilient Faith Project is, what our podcast is about, a little bit of backstory, um, and the types of things that we are going to be doing through Resilient Faith Project. But today, we thought that we would share a little bit more um, about our own personal stories of how God has brought us through decades in ministry, (laughs) if you put the both of us together in all different kinds of areas and positions and, and a little bit about maybe the things that we have journeyed through and struggled with, the hardships that we've faced and have kind of brought us to this point where we want to help people find hope and healing through Christ, through restoration in being able to serve. So, yeah, Robin, let's just kind of jump in. I know you and I were kind of chatting before, talking a little bit about our childhood. So, like, tell us what, you know, what was your childhood like? What kind of how did you come to faith and, and that kind of thing? Well, my my family moved a great deal before I reached high school. I was in 15th school, so wow. Um faith became a big part of our journey. Yeah. Um for, of my mother's journey actually. And um sometimes she drug us kicking and screaming the whole way. Um <laughs> but the one constant that was in our moves was that faith and church was a non-negotiable for my mother. Mm. So if we were well, and even sometimes when we were not well, she used to say, God asks for two hours a week and you're giving it. Wow. <laughs> and so we were at church if the doors were open. And the first thing we did when we moved into a new city, a new state was find a church. Mm-hmm. I would say, give us a week. She would say, we don't have a week. Wow. So that was, uh, that was my life growing up till yeah. I moved out of, out of the house. Wow. But kudos to your mom, because that is, there are so many families that it just is not that important. And the fact that even though you guys were all over and moving and settling in new places and the fact that she wanted to establish that right away. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Now, I will also say another unusual thing is that she did not feel bound by a denomination. Mm. Um, she felt bound by Christ. Wow. And so some places we were Baptist, some places we were Methodist, some places we were Presbyterian. Yeah. Uh, some places we left and she said, I don't know what that was, but we're not going to be going back. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, but we, we, she tried everything. She wanted the church yeah. that fit, that she felt like God heard her. And, mm. um, it was I recognize it now as a beautiful thing. Yeah. As a, as a, an elementary school and a middle schooler, um, it felt like she was just trying everything she could do to annoy me. Um, (laughs) You know how you feel like your parents are. 
are the that yeah. age, but she she found the place every place until she found a fit. Wow. Do you feel like that that has impacted your ministry service having been exposed to so many different faith traditions and denominations? Like how has that impacted you? You know, I I think it definitely has because yeah. I think I can look at different things that some denominations hold uh, like they're protecting God. Right. And and I think I see them very differently or I, I hold them a little less close, if mm. that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So um, I'm able to see things differently, I think. I love that. Yeah. I had a somewhat similar childhood in that I was in church. So I grew up in church. I was saved at an early age, five years old. We didn't move around, so it was always the same church, but we were there every time the doors open. I was more involved at church than I was in like even my high school, and it really, really had an impact on me as a young person. Mm -hmm. I had an amazing youth pastor who mentored and discipled me and other young leaders who, you know, really, really impacted me, but as I kind of left home, of course, all the natural things, right? You go to college, whatever, and still believing, still had faith, but it just, it had been more of my parents made me kind of do this, you know, and then now that I have the choice to sleep in on Sunday, I'm probably not going to get up and go to church, especially if it means me having to find a new church in a new college town. And so... Yeah, but I do feel like it laid a foundation Yes, that later the Lord was able to personalize for me. Nice. Um, and I'm really thankful that I had that foundation from childhood, um, mm-hmm. that my parents were God-fearing, loved the Lord, yes. served Him faithfully, did their best to, you know, see that we grew up with this understanding of who God was and how we loved us and how we should live our lives. That that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, what a foundation that gives you, even if you sort of walk away or, or are less right. involved with that. You know, my parting words when I left for college, I yelled out the window of my car, I'm never going to church again. And wow. she said, you can take a burning log out of a fire but it won't stay burning. You'll be back. And I wow. thought, could she be any more dramatic? Um, but she's right. Says the one who's yelling out the car window. <laughs> yes. I'm never going back to church again. Yep. She said, oh, yes, you will. Wow. So what brought you back? My daughter started asking mm. questions that I didn't have answers to. Wow. And, um, well, I had answers to, but they were cynical Mm. skeptical answers. And I knew that she deserved some questions answered with God at the center. Yeah. That's awesome. So how old was she when she was asking? Four and five. Okay. And they were, they were basic questions. Yeah. Um, but they, I still knew that darn it, mom was right. Yeah. You know, that, that burning log was put out for a while. Wow. And, um, Amber deserved some questions where God was at the center because he is at the center. Yeah. So did you start going back to church then and kind of, how did that go? 
that went it went all right. Yeah. I was very I made some some mistakes and in, in things that I said and did in classes that I needed to keep <laughs> my mouth shut um until I learned the lay of the land as an adult and I didn't. Got it. And um it left me running from one church. Wow. Um, terrified that they thought, okay, we're we're going to start checking the doors before we <laughs> let people in here. Um, so it it was a learning period. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, I I wouldn't say I ever really left the church. I became certainly more apathetic about church and sure. that kind of thing. But then when my husband Stephen and I got married, um, we. We started out, and he had grown up um, Southern Baptist, and I had grown up in a non-denominational charismatic church. Um, Now, he had a Pentecostal grandmother, so he had been exposed somewhat, but it was very much us trying to figure out how do we take these very diverse backgrounds, you know, denominationally speaking, and meld this into now we're married and we want to be in church. We want to be serving. Um, but what do we do with this? And I will say one thing that looking back, the Lord has allowed me to be in all kinds of churches. Yes. Different denominations, so many different sizes. I think I shared last episode, you know, I was on staff, believe it or not, at a house church and we had about 25 or 30 people. Wow. Um, and I was the assistant to the pastor. And then I was the event planner for a very large mega church in the Atlanta area for several years, 10,000 plus members and, wow. and kind of everything in between. Yes. So, and all these different denominations. And so one thing I really appreciate is that God has allowed me to experience church in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. some liturgical, some free spirit, you know, a lot of different things. And so I'm able to relate to a lot of different people from different backgrounds. So I love that. Um, Now, In the process of going to all of those and being in all those different churches, it was a little messy sometimes, especially coming, you know, from your own church background. But yeah, so like as I, I think as, as we got married and we were trying to figure out, you know, kind of where are we going to settle as a family for ourselves? And then also having grown up very naive, getting married young, um, and being thrust into a relationship with my husband, who is a wonderful man, but had come from a difficult family background, and how that impacted our relationship and our marriage, and how unprepared I was for that, and how that was probably the first real challenge that I had in my faith walk was here. I had saved myself for marriage. I had done in my mind, everything that I needed to do to ensure that I was, you know, set up in this, you know, happily ever after Disney princess kind of deal. And then the reality of what that was, was very different than what I had been expecting. And so then all of these questions, well, God, did I, 
did I do something wrong? Did did you do something wrong, Lord? Because this is not what I signed up for. You know, and I would say that was probably the beginning of me deconstructing my faith somewhat. But now that process took a long time. Because, and can be traumatic. Oh, very traumatic. Yes. And it wasn't like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't know about this. It was more of a, wow, this is not what I was expecting. Right. And so then you try to just press on with what you know or think to be true, you know, and then not feeling like you can share with anyone about the struggles that you're going right. through, the arguments, the all the things. And because you are maybe a small group leader or you're teaching a Sunday school class or you're leading worship or whatever it might be. And so it was very much me desperately trying to get a handle on the life that was supposed to be this happily ever after. And that did not turn out the way that I had expected. Right. But I couldn't let anyone know that that is what was happening. Right. So what about you? After you guys started going to church again, after Amber, you know, began to ask questions and you got run off of the one church. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, um, we landed at a church where we felt very much at home. Yeah. And as you can imagine, my mother was often my Sunday school teacher and that made for that poor woman that I am still living as a, as a testimony to her faith in God, because mom would say, Jesus, you know, walked on water. And I would say, no, he didn't. He was jumping from rock to rock. Um, you know, I, I tested everything. I said, I said, I didn't believe anything. I mean, I made her life miserable teaching Sunday school. So I got into this church, but I felt very safe there. Mm. And I took a Bible study, a disciple Bible study that goes from Genesis to Revelation in nine months and walked in like I knew everything um, with my little children's Bible (laughs) with the gold. It was white with the gold (laughs) edges of the color pictures. And these people had study Bibles. Right. I mean, like study Bibles that are like a weapon. And, uh, and I, and I literally, what are they? What? And you know, I love research is my thing. I love to research. I got one of those things and my life was never the same. God's word um, spoke into my life in a way that was unimaginable to me. I found out that he really loved me, that I didn't have to run from that church. Um, because I was afraid they'd find out my sin, that that he knew it. And he chose to put it as far as the East is from the West. Mm-hmm. I found out Good. things about who God was, that he was trustworthy yeah. and that he was mighty and um, that he had me engraved in the palms of his hands. Mm, yeah. And my life was never the same wow. ever. Wow. That's amazing. I had a similar kind of point, but, um, Well, let me backtrack a little bit. So Stephen and I were on staff at a church and felt the Lord was calling us into full-time missions. And so this was something that we were excited about, but also I think really unprepared for, but thankfully God knows that. (laughs) And so he, he takes steps 
But so we um, were feeling called to Italy. And so we began kind of this very long process of preparing and raising support and getting ready to move to Italy as missionaries. And so in the process of that, the Lord called us to Wheaton College to grad school. And so we show up at Wheaton, which is outside of Chicago, intending, honestly, to just take a summer intensive one course for a week, um, just get some Bible training and then kind of see where we were thing. And then at the end of that intensive week where we were in class for 10 hours a day, six wow. days, it was it was hardcore. Um my little Southern girl faith was rocked, not in a bad way, but in just a whole new way of looking at things. And yes. so the things that I had very much taken for granted as this is what my pastor said, this is what my Sunday school teacher taught me, this is what my mom, but they were asking the hard questions about why do you believe this? Or what do you believe about this? And so suddenly I was having to figure out, I can't just say, well, that's what my mom taught me. Because exactly. that doesn't sound very educated for, you know, right. this grad student. Um, and so I had to figure out, okay, what do I believe? And so we decided then to move from Georgia to Wheaton and go to school full-time, both of us as students, which was a blessing and then in many wow. ways not a blessing because it was very, very stressful um, for our family. Our kids were about, I think they were 11 and 8 at the time. Wow. And so we moved our whole family. Um, we were living with a, a couple who was running the house church that I mentioned before, and so we get into this grad program, and I mean, from one standpoint, it was amazing. We were studying things that I had never even, you know, thought about. We were digging into the Word. We yes. were seeing new perspectives and just learning so much. But on the other hand, we were in school full time. We were both working two and three part time jobs apiece. And two kids. With two kids. And we were also fundraising at the time to try oh to get goodness. to the field. And so after nine months of that, I had just gotten to a point where I was a wreck. I yes. was just, I remember just, Lord, this this is way harder than what I thought when I signed up for this. And, you know, I'm having to rest. My faith is being rocked. Uh, we're working all the time. We're studying until all hours. We're trying to parent and honestly not doing a good job of it. You know, and so I remember on spring break, when most of the students were hopefully somewhere fun, right. we had signed up for another intensive course. Oh. And so it was a personal leadership development course. And so I remember going in the very first day and just, 
not wanting to be there, wanting to be at the beach yes. or anywhere else besides that on my spring break. A spring break destination. Exactly. Not stuck in the classroom again. And our professor, um, the first thing he did is he said, the very first thing I want you to do is to find anywhere on campus you want to go. You have two hours to spend with the Lord doing whatever oh. you want. I almost broke down crying right there because I had not spent time with the Lord for myself, not for wow. a paper I was writing, not for a class reading that I was doing, not for anything that wasn't academically related or church ministry prep. What a the, gift. Anything. And so I remember going into the chapel in the Billy Graham building there on campus and just I had my Bible. I don't even know if I opened it, honestly. I had my cell phone. I put on some music. And I think I just cried most of two hours. But it was this beautiful, just cleansing. And I just felt the Lord saying, I see you. Mm. Like, it's going to be okay. You're in this for a purpose. And so it was just a beautiful start to this week. And that class is probably the one I remember the most. And we learned all kinds of things about, you know, we learned about personality. You know, we did Myers-Briggs, we did Enneagram, all of these leadership type things. Right. But I remember one of the guest speakers that week was a spiritual director. Oh. And I had never heard of spiritual direction. I was like, what is this? Like voodoo, <laughs> you know, yes. like, what is this? Um, and so we were talking to her after one of the classes. And I think she just, honestly, I think the Holy Spirit just impressed on her. These people need your help. And so she offered to give a spiritual direction for free for what? a time. And so we wow. went into that and, um, it was so beautiful because I had never felt permission to say what I really thought about how hard ministry was, how hard it was to raise money and feel like a failure right. to try to become a missionary, how much we were struggling, how our marriage was fine. I had never felt like anyone had given me permission to be honest about how I really felt. Discuss the real things of right. life. And I did not feel any judgment from her. Oh. I didn't feel any... Um, sense of, I need to say this because this is what she's expecting. And I was real and raw, probably more than I needed to be. And she would just listen. And then we would ask the Lord what he had to say about what I was feeling, what I was experiencing. And it was this amazing time. And it was over a course of weeks. And I remember you know, and I still this whole time I'm wrestling like, Lord, almost to the point where I'm ready to walk away from my faith because I'm struggling so much. And I remember her saying, um, are, are you at a point where you want to denounce your faith? And, and it wasn't like a judgmental, it was just, it was a very direct question asked in sincerity and I remember sitting there and thinking, I know what I'm supposed to say, you know, and I just sat silently for a few moments 
And I just felt this overwhelming sense of that I knew who God is. I knew who he was at that time to me. And that even though I had so many questions, I could not deny his love for me. I could not deny how he continued to show up, even if it wasn't in the way that I wanted or expected Mm -hmm. or what I thought I needed. He was continuing to be there and meet me in those places. And so I just told her, part of me wants to say, yes, I'm ready, but I cannot deny who God is, who I know him to be. And she just prayed with me, and I just felt such a sense of acceptance and love, but also genuine care. I knew that she was praying for us as we were going through this. And so that really was a turning point for me, Mm -hmm. you know, this deconstructing of this faith that had been my parents' faith, my my pastor's faith, you know, kind of what I had been taught. Mm -hmm. And then it became something that was very personal that I had prayed about and read about and all of these things. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was one of the hardest times in my life, but also one of the most rewarding afterwards (laughs) when all of the, (laughs) once you're past it and you can see, yes, now I see where God was leading me. Right. Um, But yeah, so I'm assuming that as you kind of were coming through that course and and you were not working in ministry at this point, right? So how kind of... I never dreamed that I would. Um, I felt God calling me to the ministry and I kept saying, "Uh, okay, let me be clear. You know, I'm I'm Robin. I know you (laughs) meant somebody else. Uh, Really, I'm Robin. Yeah. And he kept saying... He, he always exerted just enough pressure mm. so that I knew that his desire was for something else. So I believe, uh, so I, I decided what I would do. notice. I said, I decided um, <laughs> that I would join, be a Stephen minister. And that would shut God up <laughs> because I would say I'm doing Stephen ministry. So that's what you meant. Well, I I wasn't called to be a Stephen minister. It is a beautiful program. Yeah. But it was not what God called me to do. So I was not happy. And so finally, Eddie came to me and said, you've got to go into ministry because God is starting to work on me about you. (laughs) And so I worked for a company. I was doing uh, financial work for a company, and I was handling some NASA finances. And wow. 250 people were going to be laid off. And so Eddie and I sat down and talked about it, and we said, you know, we believe the only way I'll be laid off is divine intervention because I was handling the NASA reports. Yeah. So the layoffs were starting at 10 o'clock, and at 9.58, my phone rang, and I was certain that my boss was calling to tell me that the gentleman next to me was going to be laid off and I was going to have to take over his jobs. No, I was the first person laid off. (laughs) God's like, okay, we are going to do this. Um, And three weeks later, I was working in a church. Wow. I had never even spoken to a pastor about working at the church. And so that started just sort of the ride of my life, if you will. Yeah, that is amazing. And so tell me, like, what what is it that you were doing or what you've kind of done over the last however many years that you have been in ministry, kind of what your 
background is? Well, I started off as an assistant to the adult ministries person. And that lasted just a short period of time. And then they asked me to be the adult ministries person because that person was being moved. Hmm. And so I became the person that um, did small groups when small groups was the buzzword. Ah, yeah. And so, which is fun because I know we went, we traveled with you right. and Stephen to yep. Granger, to Granger's church, who did small groups in a huge way. Yes. That was back when people were desperate for God's word mm. in a way that I don't see always now. And we had... 26 Sunday school classes at two hours, and we had 700 people in Bible study during the week. Wow. And when we started small groups, we launched with 250 to 275 people with uh, 25 groups. And we had over a thousand people in Bible study every week. Wow. Well, what happened then is we we had district training events where all the churches in a particular district would come together and they would learn different things. The trustees would learn what are the legal requirements for your building, things like that. Um, The financial people would learn what was necessary. And there was always something on adult ministries. And they asked me to do a workshop on starting up small groups. And as I sat there, we had 3000 members. So we had the staff. I had a $40,000 budget and which was not insignificant. And right. there were smaller churches there who were saying things like, well, that's great for your church, hmm. but our church can't do, we can't do it because we don't have the staff and we don't have the budgets. And, and when I left, I called Eddie and I said, oh, I know God had me hear all this for a reason hmm. because it has given me a heart. These, these churches feel defeated. Yeah. And they feel like they are not able or ever going to be able to do this. But God wants them in his word and he wants them to know them Mm. as bad as I want people to know. And so I know I've heard this for a reason. Yeah. Um, And so I started a 242 consulting ministry, Mm. which is from Acts 242 through 47 that talks about how the early church met in small groups and the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So I worked at that for a number of years, but then the 2008 crisis here, the economic issues hit and churches were laying folks off. They were not hiring consultants. Mm. And so I did come beside some churches and help them start their small groups but I got back into working at the church um, wow. after that. So, but I still have a heart mm. for the people because ministry is hard. Yes. And for too long, we have felt if somebody has a temperature, we've drop kicked them into a class <laughs> because we need uh, somebody to teach a Bible study or a Sunday school. That does not honor the teachers and it exactly. doesn't honor the people. Uh, and so we, you know, one of the things I say all the time is excellence honors God mm. and inspires people. And that is what God is calling us to. Yeah. And there is a better way. Yeah. And, and ministry is hard. Yeah. And I know people think, oh, you're in ministry. You pray all the time. And you only do what God, but it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, We get stressed out. We get burnt out, but we don't tell because we don't feel like we can. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly why I wanted to start Resilient Faith Project is, 
you know, I, sh- I shared a little bit last episode about, um, you know, that we had gone overseas. And so after Wheaton, it took us a, a couple more years, but we finally launched and went and we were living in Florence, Italy, which sounds like the missionary dream, right? right? I mean, that's what most people thought. And it was hard and it was lonely and it was agonizing in some ways, more difficult than you would probably imagine. I felt like we were there and we were starting to get kind of in a groove. You know, we had made friends, we were learning language, we were doing all these things, and then literally everything started to fall apart all at once. And so it was, you know, all of the things, financial, we were having Mm -hmm. financial problems with um, not having people give. And I was running an online business as well. And so that started to dry up. And then Stephen got this very mysterious physical thing that he was in and out of doctors and then ended up in the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. He was so sick and trying to navigate this (laughs) medical system that is very foreign in a language that we were very minimal speakers in at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to figure that out. It was, it was really, really hard. And then our kids were struggling. Our marriage was, you know, and honestly, I've shared a little bit before we were struggling even before we went to the field, you know, we were dealing with childhood wounds and family of origin issues and our own sin and junk that we brought to this marriage and going through all of the prep and the things. And, you know, we were already struggling. And then you get put into this foreign environment, this different culture, and everything comes to the surface, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. And so we're struggling marriage-wise and just almost to the point of, Lord, what, you know, what are you doing we thought you called us here. What, like, why are you not coming to our aid? Trying to hang on though, because we were called and we had been sent. And so we're white knuckling it, you know, day in, day out, trying to press through, be faithful to what we felt like God had called us to do. And then our daughter, who was 12 years old at the time, came to us and we knew that she had been depressed. Um, we, we were aware of that, but we did not understand the full extent of what that was. And she was hiding a lot of things because she felt this pressure as a missionary kid right? to just toe the party line, so to speak, and yes. just keep, you know, keep things in check because we're on mission mm-hmm. and we're serving and we got to keep it together. Um, but she had gotten to a point where she was suicidal. And so at that point, um, that was the point where we could no longer say, we just have to white knuckle it. We could no longer say, we just need to work harder, serve harder, pray more. We were faced with this um, reality of what had come of our ministry, what had happened because of this choice that we had made. And, um, it was devastating. I, the guilt that (laughs) was 
just, I embrace, you know, feeling like I'm a failure as a mom. I'm a failure as a wife. I'm a failure as a missionary. I'm a failure as a Christian because I should be able to keep this together. Right. I should have been able to manage this and I didn't, you know, and so all of these feelings of abandonment and, and loss. And so, at that point, we decided, okay, we need to move back to the States. Right. But there just were not resources for our daughter for us to get the help that we feel like she needed. And um, I did not know if I could live with myself if she taken her life at some point. And so we moved home back to the States. And honestly, we <laughs> had nothing. We had sold almost everything we owned. Um, we had no house, no cars, no jobs, no furniture. And actually that is how you and I connected years back is because you and Eddie let us borrow a truck for months, which was a huge blessing to us. And, um, you know, we are just here back in Georgia trying to move on with our lives, right? Mm -hmm. To try to just, okay, let's just pick the pieces up but feeling so lost and so broken and not really knowing where to turn. And so the thing was that I still loved God. Like I wanted to be, and I was mad at him. Sure. I was struggling. Yes. But I still loved him and I still wanted to serve him. Right. But I wasn't really sure what that meant because I felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had, he had sent me on a mission I had not accomplished the mission. And so therefore I was a failure and that's something we struggled with. But so in the process of coming back and trying to pick up the pieces, I get this bright idea that I'm going to go on a mission trip because that is going to help me feel better about myself. (laughs) Right. Right. That I'm going to be able to serve God. I'm going to feel better about me. I'm going to feel better about God. This is like, the step back to where I needed to be in my faith. Mm -hmm. And so I get online, I find this ministry, Beauty for Ashes, and I sign up for this mission trip that was literally an hour from my house in Northeast Georgia and um, go thinking, okay, I'm going to help people. It's going to help me feel better. This is going to be great. And I went on that trip and God wrecked me that week and I realized how much I had put into what I was accomplishing, what I was doing, how much emphasis I had placed on me Mm -hmm. and not on God. Right. And so I felt like he opened my eyes to this identity that I had created for myself that was not based in wow. his word and in his truth. And ge- he's so gentle and so caring and just gently began to piece me back together because I felt shattered. Yes. I felt like it was my life was over that I was not going to be able to. Um, I felt like our family had been wrecked and that we were just going to have to try to trudge along Yes. You know, um, and just get through. And so I, with Beauty for Ashes, which has been a huge part of my healing journey, 
I was able to see God in a different way and to experience him in a different way and want in a way that was about intimacy and community with him and not about what I was accomplishing right for him right and so that was kind of the beginning and it, it was definitely has been a process of my healing and I'll talk a little bit more about that but I want to go back to kind of as you over the last few years, I know that you guys have had some challenges and some different things that have, have come about. How have you seen the Lord speak into your life work and what you guys are, are going through and in your ministry life? Well, you know, we have had some health challenges that have real that God has really spoken into. I have in 2014. I had an open heart surgery to have a, my mitral valve repaired. Mm. Then I several years later I had my left knee replaced. Several years after that I had my right knee replaced, wow. and then I uh, was uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's mm. uh, early onset Parkinson's, and and so I thought, boy. You know, I really kind of felt like there was a target on my back. Yeah. That there was a sign that said, kick me, and God had signed it. Yeah, wow. And so when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, my poor doctor, I said, when I get up to go, would would you just take the sign off my back? And he said, what sign? I said, the kick me sign. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, unfortunately... One of maybe the second or third thought I had was I've been always been terrified to fly because I was afraid I would die. And so I thought, well, God obviously wants me to suffer. I'm not going to die. So I called Eddie and I said, we need to plan a vacation somewhere. And I'm going to get on the plane and I'm going to say, you're all good. As long as I'm on the plane, you're all going to live. And so, um, so anyway, because you do, you know, in the moment, yeah, you think, God says that I'm highly favored. Right. This doesn't feel highly favored. Right, right. And so, um, but what God has always done is proven himself faithful in yeah. every area of my life. So regardless of how things look, I know that God is for me, not against me. Yeah. I know that that death and disease are in the world. And... So while it has, sometimes it feels like it sort of not puts on hold, but it, it kind of, is it a, not a crisis of faith, but it does tend to make you go, wait a minute, if I'm serving you, do, does that not count for anything? Yeah. Um, except that because I'm serving him, I know who he is. Yeah. And so that means my future has great promise and great reward and great hope. Right. Um, no matter how my circumstances appear. Yeah. And so uh, in some ways it is it is a gift to have served him and have these things happen because I'm not bound by what I think is going to happen in the mm, future um, because I know who God is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I feel like. In the North American church, we have not done a good job of developing an accurate theology of suffering. Yes. I think that we feel like because we are believers, because God loves us, because he has good plans for us, and all of those things are true. Yes. 
that that doesn't include suffering or times that we're uncomfortable. And, you know, I mean, in this world, you will have trouble that Jesus said it in this world. You will have trouble. Yes. So be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Right. And so we want the good cheer part. Yes. And the overcoming and the victory. But we we don't want the I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But Christ lives in me. We don't. That's uncomfortable. And right. it's that's one of those non-refrigerator magnet verses. Like you do not want to put I'm yes. crucified with Christ on your refrigerator. That does not make you happy when you're reaching for your ice cream. Exactly. Like, that is a hard verse to take when we're, you know, there's so much preaching of God is love. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to be whole and happy. Those things are all a hundred percent true. Right. But sometimes our wholeness and our healing comes through adversity and it comes through challenge. That was the case with my life. It, right. My understanding, deep understanding of who God is came because of the adversity that I faced, because the challenges that I had gone through, because I had a very shallow understanding of who God was until that point. And I'm so thankful that over the last five years, God has deepened that understanding so that I see who he is, but I also see what he's doing. And so when he allows those things in my life, you know, when he allowed those things that we went through in Italy, and even as we came back from Italy, it was because he loved me because he wanted me to have the relationship with him that I have now that I wouldn't trade for anything. If I had to, I would go back and do those things again so that I could be in this place. But thankfully I've, I've done it. God has walked through those with me. Now that's not to say that suddenly my life is wonderful and I'm never going to face adversity again, because unfortunately that's not how it works. Right. But the faith that has been established because of that journey of me coming back and dealing with the hard questions, wrestling with the Lord, asking, crying out to him, you know, Lord, what are you doing? And slowly he continued as I sought him, as I prayed, as I cried out, he would meet me in those places and begin to bring healing. And so the thing the prayers that I prayed in Italy, God, why don't you just help me? Why don't you just make this go away? Take away this hardship, take away this suffering, take away these feelings and, you know, all the things. I had also prayed prayers before God bring restoration to my marriage. God bring healing to my family. Um, bring, wholeness to us serving as together because there was so much um, strife in our family from this call that we had. And that's not what God intended. That's how he did all that. And so through breaking everything, I mean, like I said, I was shattered. Our family was shattered. Yes. But God is not limited by 
me being shattered. He was able to pick up those pieces. And my marriage is stronger than it ever was before. My children are stronger than they ever were before. Our family relationship is stronger. And our ministry now is so much more effective. And our personal relationships with the Lord are so much stronger and truer and more real than ever before, because before it was all about serving. And if there was relationship with God, if there was intimacy with God, that was like a bonus, right? It's not meant to be that way. It's supposed to be, it's the relationship, it's the intimacy. And if they're serving Mm -hmm. that comes out of it, that's the bonus. That's the overflow. And so That is a really hard lesson that I have learned, but I am so thankful. And I remember, this is just maybe six months ago, Stephen and I were talking about Italy and um, we don't talk about it as much as we used to. When we first moved back, it was, we talked about it all the time, but we were just kind of reminiscing and thinking and I got up and walked to the bathroom and I felt the Lord just whisper in my spirit, what if I told you that your journey to Italy was not about Italy. It was about what I'm doing right now and what I've done. And I just about lost it because if he had said that a year before, I was still clinging so much to that identity of being a missionary, being a servant, being a minister of God's gospel, that it was who I was or who I thought I was. And then as he's taken me on this journey and I've seen how much healing and restoration has come and I've seen the fissures closed and the pieces come back together, I would not trade that for anything. And so, you know, two years ago, I would have said it was not worth it, was not worth it to go through all of that pain and heartache and feelings of failure and And today it was absolutely worth it. And so I know that part of the reason that God brought me through that journey, it wasn't just about my family, but it was also about me being able to help others who are serving in ministry, who maybe have a wrong understanding of who they are in Christ, who maybe are not connecting with God for the very purpose of connecting with God, but they're doing it the way that I used to do it, where I was preparing for a Bible study, or I was preparing to teach, or I was preparing to do this and this and this, instead of just wanting to spend time with God, because he's God of the universe, and he loves me, and he created me, and he wants to be with me, and I want to be with him. And just finding this place of being able to be authentic Mm -hmm. about, because five years ago, I would have never shared any of this. If we had been sitting across the table, I would not have told you all of these things because I was supposed to be the one who had it all together, right? I was the missionary. Mm -hmm. I was a leader. I'm the minister of the gospel. So I had to keep it all together, but keeping it all together almost destroyed our family. And so Mm -hmm. the process of coming back and going through all of these things and dealing with all of the feelings and the emotions and the, the things that we were wrestling with, I have gotten so comfortable with 
being open and honest. And it has been completely life-changing for me to be able to share openly that I'm struggling with this. You know, I'm wrestling with this and, and, and being in community where that is not only encouraged, but it's reciprocated. And that is the type of community that we need to be in, in Christian leadership, because we need to have those people in our lives who we can be open with, that we can share when we're struggling, because then we can help hold each other up. We can, you know, hold each other accountable, but also encourage each other and pray for each other and share, hey, me too, because so many others are experiencing similar things, but just nobody talks about it. Well, and I will say, I, watching everything fall apart on your blog, as I saw that things things were serious, yeah, um, gave you a credibility. As I watched how you dealt with it, I know it feels like it was chaos, and but I I really felt like I was watching um, like a tapestry. Yeah. You know, in the front is a beautiful thing, but in the back are it's all a those hot mess. yes. <laughs> and I really, it, it is one of the reasons why you are a leader and you, and I would follow you anywhere because I was watching you say, wait a minute, we need to rethink some things yeah. and maybe things aren't what we think they are. We have to be able to talk about our faith yeah. and the disappointments and the failures and the, and, and we need to talk about what it looks like and who God is in that. And you're right. We are children of God first. Right. Our work doesn't make us children of God. Right. We are his children first. Exactly. And yes. so, you know, it was, it was, a, I know it was horrible to go through, but it was, it was a, it was something that gave other people hope because I know my life hasn't been perfect and, yeah. and I have kept it secret. Right. You know, and so you guys, you couldn't keep your secret. Something horrible is happening. Yeah. I think the authenticness, the the vulnerability is is something the church is lacking today. And that's why we're not making followers of Jesus like we should. Well, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I mean, that means so much because honestly, at the time, we felt like complete failures, right. you know, and we it was only out of desperation that we even began to share Right. kind of what we were going through, because at that point, there was no hiding it, you know, mm-hmm. it, things were, it was blowing up. And it, so we was just like, okay, we have to let people know. Right. And I wonder if, if we had had the freedom, or if we had even had someone who was counseling us to like, hey, you need to be telling us like, it would things have been different? Right. I don't know. But I know that God has been so right beside us on this journey. And so I, you know, I trust that he took us exactly where we needed to go, but it's, it's why I'm so passionate and why. And so, you know, once God started putting me back together and I started getting more involved in beauty for ashes. And so then I started training leaders. And as I got more free, I wanted everyone to be free because you, I mean, it's like, if somebody opens the gate for you, opens the cell and you're out, you want, you're like, yes, let's open everyone's cell and let them out and give Mm -hmm. them freedom. And so I started teaching and training leaders with them. I've traveled, you know, around the world doing different things. And then I 
went on staff with Adventures and Missions, and I was training leaders in short-term missions and, you know, and was loving every minute. And God restored so much because I didn't know if I would ever serve in ministry full-time again. And I honestly, I said I would never raise money again, that I would never take a job. And the Lord so graciously invited me back into that. And so for a while, I did do that. And he was just so faithful to provide and heal that wound that had been there. But, you know, I just continued to feel this burden for leaders who feel like they have to have it all together and they don't have a place that they can be open Mm -hmm. and honest, and they don't know how to connect with God when they're not serving. And they don't know how to take their identity as a worker for God, as a leader, as a servant, and separate it from their identity in Christ. And so it's all tangled up. And so I just, as I worked with leaders, and I just saw it over and over and over again, I just felt like, Lord, there has to be a better way. I know there's a better way because you did it in my life. Right. But it was through so much hardship and difficulty. And not that I want to bypass anything that the Lord might do in someone else's life. But if I can help provide resources, if our organization, Resilient Faith Project, can help provide resources and training and support Mm -hmm. and encouragement and community. Yes. That is what we want to do. So that's what we're all about. Yes. So as we go forward with this podcast, these are the types of things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be hearing stories of resilient faith, like things that we've shared today about how God has worked in our life, how he's taught us and grown us. We're going to be having guest interviews about other people who have gone through really hard things and God has brought to the other side. And we're going to be giving you guys tips about things that you can do to be resilient in your faith, to lead well, to lead from overflow and not from burnout. As a lot of times we are have a tendency to do, right? Right. And so we're resources, books, everything. We're going to have everything. So if you haven't already, check us out online. We're at www.resilientfaithproject.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Resilient Faith Project. And we hope that you guys will tune in for our next episode. We're going to be diving deeper into connecting with God. And so we're going to talk about some of the challenges of that. We're going to talk about what the word says about how and why we need to be connecting with the Lord. And then we're also going to be giving you some practical tips, some creative methods for you to do that. So hope you will tune in next time. And until then, thanks so much. We pray blessings on you and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Resilient Faith Project, the podcast. If you found this conversation helpful, we hope you'll subscribe to get updates when new episodes are released. For show notes or more information about Resilient Faith Project, please visit our website at resilientfaithproject.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Resilient Faith Project. May God bless you as you seek to lead well for the long haul.